I think it's incredibly important to be yourself. Like, don't pretend to be a knockoff of somebody else because no one cares. TTYA Talks, the podcast. So guys, you know, every week we need to be focused. And my guest today is a beauty content creator and activist who started her channel of makeup tutorials back in 2009. Her engaging videos, which teach, inspire and give confidence to people of every colour, have cultivated a loyal and thriving fan base of over 6 million across her social media platforms, including 3.5 million YouTube subscribers. Jesu Christi, give it to them. Jeez. She was deemed the NAACP's first ever YouTuber of the year and has launched inclusive product collaborations with top brands such as Anastasia Beverly Hills and has even gone on to launch her own self-care lifestyle brand, Forever Mood. Guys, I'm not going to lie. She's a whole mood. I'd like to welcome Jackie Aina. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to TTYA Talks, the podcast. How are you today? I'm fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. You look fabulous. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie, sis. It's early morning in the LA Times, and you're giving it to them already. <laughs> Thanks. This is like my half face. I didn't do my brows. I didn't do my eyes. So I kind of like it though. Like no mascara. It's kind of cute. Ah, uh, sis, show them. Give it to them. So you know, every <laughs> week we need to be. We need to be focused. So I want to kind of just take it back to the beginning. Like, tell us about your heritage. Where did you grow up? You know, tell us a bit about your early family life. We want to hear it all. Wow. Okay. I had a very interesting, I think as an American, I had a very interesting upbringing. So my dad's an immigrant. Um, He's from Nigeria. And my mom is from here. She's African-American. And I always tell people that like I literally growing up, I I grew up watching them and feeling like they were two completely different. Like it almost kind of felt like an interracial couple, not literally. Obviously, they're both black, but night Culturally. and mm. night and day. There was mm. a lot of crossover. Like there's some mm-hmm. things that are, you know, um, very consistent throughout black cultures globally. So I will say that for sure. But it was just like so interesting. And like, you know, people will come to our house and they'd be like, why do you have two freezers? Why do you have a freezer in the garage? And then like, we would <laughs> like, it's funny. Uh, ice cream tubs full of soup. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but when, you, when you're, when you're a kid and like anything that makes you remotely different, people will talk about you. So mm. like growing up, like I experienced that, but honestly, I'm, I'm super grateful for, you know, the, I, I kind of feel like it's a privilege growing up in a household where you hear different languages and you meet, you know, meet people from different cultures. Like whenever our relatives from Nigeria would move to the U.S., they would stay with us, which was very uh, taxing sometimes because we are, our family is already big. Like I'm the oldest of seven kids and then you wow. have two parents. So mm-hmm. there's nine people in one house. At any given moment, okay, this is like the wor- the worst case scenario. There's nine people at minimum mm-hmm. at this house, okay? 800 square feet. That's there crazy. was three rooms and one bathroom. So that was my up- upbringing. Typical, I guess you could say middle class, working class family. Um, you know, it was really cool seeing my mom who was in the medical field. So she was an x-ray tech. And my dad owned an auto repair shop. He doesn't own the shop anymore, but he owned an auto repair shop. And so once again, even professionally, I, I grew up seeing someone own a business. And then I grew 
up someone seeing someone who was in like the technical medical field. So it was just, you know, really, really fascinating, cool. And I definitely admire both my parents for just what it takes to raise seven kids. I mean, they weren't perfect, but it takes a lot. And, you know, they shaped me to who I am today. Oh, I love that. So I'm the same. Like my both my parents are Nigerian and they came to the UK. Similar. My dad came to study. My mom came for love. Didn't really work out, but you know, at the same Aww. time, it's just like it's true. It's a lot. It's a sad story, but for the better in that they're both happy, and I yeah. think that I think Ben, you could probably agree to this. Like we get a hustle a lot from Nigeria, our Nigerian culture. You know, it teaches us so much. And I was the same. Like when the relatives come over, they stay in your house. It's, everything's really loud. Like I'm the I'm the eldest of four, <laughs> so quite similar. You know, so but I wouldn't trade any. I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, it was no, like I the best either. experience. Yeah, and it taught me so yeah. much. Like seeing my mom have to hustle. Like my get my I always say I get my work ethic from her because she came here with nothing. You know, so like yeah. for us, it's just like. Like they kind of paved that way of just like, yes, we're not necessarily in the academic field, you know, because, you know, that kind of stigma comes with being West African of like lawyer, Absolutely. doctor, accountant, engineer. Engineer. Like, like we know? get it. <laughs> and I think when you're going into creatives, it's, it's a completely, it's quite far away um, from what right. they're used to. Did you feel like it hindered or maybe enabled your creativity having your West African heritage? Um, and did it attach with any stigmas when you were growing up? 100%. And that's to my mom's, um, my mom being African-American, to her credit, she was always the one telling me like, I don't care what you do for a living as long as you're happy. And as long as you're a good person, that's all that matters. And it's like, oh, mom, you're just so... <laughs> You're just you're so naive. Like, what do you mean if I'm happy? If I if I'm not making money, chances are I'm not gonna be happy. But thank you. I appreciate the support. <laughs> but that was really like I get all of my creativity from my mom. Um, all of my fashion sense from her, all of my beauty sense from her, the fact that I do hair. I did hair, I don't do hair anymore. But all of that comes from her. But it was almost like something that I was embarrassed of as an adult. Not as a child. As a child, you know, you're you're naive. You you kind of look at you look at the world through rose colored glasses. You think everything is possible, and then you become an adult, and people tell you, like, well, no, like, how are you going to survive? You know, that's not realistic. That's not. Um, mm. That's that that field is very competitive. You should do this. You should do this. And and Nigerians love telling people what the hell to do stuff that they haven't even done themselves. And so I had to realize, like, well, I haven't done that, so. Sis. You're telling me you don't want me to do it because you haven't done it, but you're not me. Okay? You're not me. I'm me. And if I want to do something, then I'm going to make it happen. So, you know, like I really do credit my mom for being maybe slightly naive of her to tell me things like, well, you can do whatever you want. Sure. You could look at that as naive, but like I needed that. And I wish I, I stuck and listened to more of that versus walking into family events and parties, being embarrassed that. Like it was it, like I was even embarrassed to express myself in even the most minute ways. Like I knew that if I dressed a certain way, I was going to stand out. People was going to be like, that's the fashion girl. Did you what did you clean today? Or, you know, like at the end of a party, they'd be looking at me like all you do is dress. You're not in the kitchen cleaning. What if I don't want to be in the kitchen? You know, like we're so I hate to I hate to say this, but like. Niger we we as a culture Nigerians we have a lot of internalized misogyny Sis. and I think we need to talk about a lot of the gender roles that are not even like 
they don't even help us. Like you realize that mm. like, pushing these norms actually hurt women and they hurt men too. Sis. So anyway, I could I could preach, honey, but <laughs> Sis, that's a whole nother podcast because that's me that's a whole nother podcast because I oh I we talk about this quite a lot, like with me and my and my other Nigerian friends and just like that trauma of sometimes always feeling like you're not enough because you have these stereotypes push on me. Where if it's not this, okay, you shouldn't have a boyfriend, then you get to a certain age, where's your husband? Then it's it's, it's like constantly, 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 just this I'm not enough, I'm not enough, and you're literally like shrimp shrinking, you know. But I think there's so many of us who have kind of found our own lane and are not afraid to go against the grain and are not afraid to kind of be like, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to go I'm gonna go and get it because we're not going to be pigeonholed into like this small box, you know? And that's why I really, we're going to get onto the big gist now because obviously your YouTube page has amassed over like 3.5 million subscribers since it started over a decade ago. Since I don't know how you've been doing content for over 10 years because since sometimes when I've got to do one or two <laughs> branded things i'm struggling so the fact that you've kept this consistent for 10 years i salute you honestly like i know you were awarded the naacp youtuber of the year award you know let's start at the beginning like why did you even decide to start a youtube channel so this was um 2009 and this was really in a time of my life where i really needed like a ray of hope i was going through a lot when i started my youtube channel and I wasn't trying to be a YouTuber. I just liked watching YouTube videos. And this was a couple years, because I, I didn't really discover makeup. I was kind of a late bloomer. Like I didn't really start actually wearing makeup until I was like 17, 18, versus like all the girls I grew up with were like experimenting at like 12 and 13. And I just didn't feel comfortable doing it out in public because I'm a little crazy. So by the time I finally stepped out of my shell and was like, okay, I'm this makeup thing is like kind of my thing now. This is in like 2009. And I'm, I was married, so I was married at the time, and I was living in Hawaii, which um, is an island, obviously based here in the U.S. <laughs> but I was away from my family, so I'm like on this island with this relationship that's not like working out. And my best friend like used to be like, well, you love YouTube so much, like why don't you just start a YouTube channel? And I was like, girl, bye. Like I'm not interested in being a YouTuber at all. Like what are you even talking about? And then I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, I am kind of lonely and I'm not really doing anything else. But also something that I noticed around the time was whenever I would watch these girls makeup tutorials, because 2009 was when makeup started blow- like blowing up. Mm, blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. But like whenever I would watch these videos or whenever I would try to like find tutorials for me, I was realizing I was searching like nude lip for dark skin or, you know, da, 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 eyebrow tutorial on dark skin. I was always, I was always having to kind of be like search savvy because there was just nobody really, I mean, there were obviously visible black women on the platform, but they were really, really hard to find. So, you know, makeup is visual. You want to see someone who looks like you. And I'm thinking like, well, maybe other people might find this helpful. Cause like, I don't really mm. see anybody doing like colorful makeup looks on brown skin back then. It was like, oh, like, Black women don't really need makeup. And I, I kind of feel like people push that idea because they don't, they just don't want to like make products. <laughs> they don't want to make better innovative products for us. They just say, oh, you don't need it. Like, okay, whatever. Here's this clear mascara. Like, whatever. So I'd be like, <laughs> well, I like glam. And I was very much so into the MAC girl look. It's definitely a very specific look. And if you know, you know. But I had that look and there was like nobody on YouTube at the time that was like really doing that. So I was like, all right, like, I'll just do this. Like, just for fun. Like, 
really just out of boredom, just completely out of sheer boredom and loneliness. And I would like sneak my camera like when my ex was <laughs> at work because it was like really embarrassing to just like talk to yourself in front of a camera. You're literally talking to yourself in front of a camera. So um, that's how I started my channel. And like my first video was like a picture slideshow. This was like the era of like when picture slideshows were a thing for makeup tutorials. It was like not a video. It was just a bunch of like <laughs> a literal slideshow of, of step-by-step progressive photos from like start of the makeup to finish really horrible. So after my best friend had begged me literally for like months to start a channel, I was like, here, finally, I did it here. <laughs> and she was like, this is terrible. And I was like, what? You told me to do this. I was so mad because I was just like, really after months. And then she was like, well, why would I want to watch pictures in a video? I want mm. you to talk to me. And I was like, Okay, I guess you have a point. <laughs> so then my next video, I think my I think I did a couple picture slideshows, I don't remember. But my next video was me like talking to camera and it was so weird because even I look back at those videos and I'm just like <laughs> what was my problem? Like I was just so because that wasn't me, that wasn't me being me on camera. I was just like really really shy and you know, it was so new and foreign to me. But that's that's how it started. So when you see my earlier videos and I seem really timid, it's because I am. Nobody just wakes up one day and is themselves on camera. I'm not an actor. I don't have any stage theater background or anything like that. It was just literally me being like, all right, guys, like, let's give this a try. And then gradually over the years, you obviously see me kind of blossoming into more of who I am now, which was always kind of there. I just wasn't comfortable conveying that on camera. Yeah, your personality definitely does come out more and it is it's hilarious to see. What are some of the realities of actually content creating and the day-to-day of maintaining a YouTube channel? And how have you maintained like keeping such an organic following? You know what? Like this is something that I wish people, I wish people, I truly wish people knew. We need a behind the scenes stuff. of the behind the scenes. No, no, no. YouTube <laughs> stuff is not easy because I... This 12, okay, 12 years, let's just talk about 12, maintaining relevancy anywhere for 12 Mm. years, okay, is not something that's easy to do. But Mm. in the age of the digital creator, where people have the attention span of a fish, you know, like people forget and on to the next, on to the next, you, I'll just speak for myself. I, especially as a black woman of a particular complexion, you know, I don't really benefits from anything like colorism. So I have to work in a slightly different way and a slightly strategic way. I try to basically eat, think, breathe content all the time. I'm constantly thinking of ideas. I am constantly writing them down. I, this year, more than ever, I've learned the importance of not just relying on YouTube only because YouTube has always been my main platform. Mm. But I recently uploaded a video last week after not uploading for like two months. Okay. And this is, it's been years since I've not uploaded in more than a month. Okay. So I was just like, end of 2020, I was like feeling, okay, I need to re-strategize. I need to rethink. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so I uploaded my first video last week and I was explaining to people how YouTube's always been my main platform. And I love YouTube and I always will, but it's not where I want to continue to put all my eggs in one basket. And you know why? Because honestly, at the end of the day, none of these apps are going to be loyal to creators. So we need to be everywhere all at the same time. And we need to, Mm. 
you know, not only think in like one linear platform all the time because YouTube could, could be gone tomorrow. Instagram could be gone tomorrow. Twitter could be gone tomorrow. I want to mm-hmm. be relevant and thriving on all of them so that if one checks off a box, okay, that sucks. That's a million followers, but you know, it won't be the end of the world for me, you know? So as far as like day to day, like I, it, it's, I don't even know how to describe what I do day to day because like I'll literally be filming a TikTok within a YouTube video at the same time. It's like so hard to explain, but I'm constantly creating. I have an entire team that helps me, but even with a team and like two assistants and my fiance who runs my, my lifestyle candle brand literally started the brand. In addition to all of those moving pieces and agents and managers and publicists and their teams too, like there's still a lot I do myself. And it's not easy. It's definitely mm. not easy. And then to do it and then do it well in a way that the content actually performs well and it's not crappy, mm. like it's not easy. So, you know, like people were like feeling some type of way that I wasn't uploading on YouTube, but I'm like, I mean, I get it, but like I have so much, con- I've worked so hard to get my YouTube channel to where you it have. is. Mm. I think I deserve a little month or two off. Like, come on. Who you know got more than not? I have uh, like almost a thousand videos. Like, I don't know anybody that has created that much content over the span of 12 years. Like, I just don't know anybody. Very, very select few. So, you know, if I need a break, I need a break. But I wasn't even really taking a break. I've been still posting, you know, on heavily. I've been aggressively posting on TikTok now. That's a whole different strategy. I've been aggressively posting on Instagram Reels. And then I started another Instagram account. That's a whole different strategy. And that's another thing. Each platform, I have its own, it it has its own strategy. So like, you'll never see me take a TikTok video with the TikTok logo on it and post it on Instagram. That's a big no-no. You never want to do that. You want to literally treat it. It'll take you a little longer sometimes, but you literally want to treat it as if you posted it on Instagram and Instagram only. For example, like even in the video, if you say TikTok, you don't want to post it on Instagram. You need to edit that part out. Do you get what I mean? So sometimes it takes me a little longer, but I, like I said, in the long run, that helps because it is um, organically growing each part. I'm not just repurposing everything and slapping it up. That's what takes me longer though. So I was just about to say, it's, it's essentially it's organic content for that sp- platform specifically. Exactly. Even though I'm reusing videos, like on my TikTok, everything that lives on my TikTok lives on my Lavishly Jackie Instagram account. My new Instagram account, which is more lifestyle and more home decor organizing. But I will like, if there's things that are specific to TikTok, I'll have to remove them from the video. And I make sure that I don't leave any like logos or anything like that. And also Mm. vice versa. If I say something like, oh, hey, Instagram fam, I'm not going to post that on TikTok. I'm going to cut that part out. Do that make sense? Hey, sis. I'm even collapsing here just listening I know. to this because <laughs> this this is know. a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. This is a lot. You've you've kind of you've really become like such an influential voice in the beauty industry. Um, even just listening to you talk now, I'm in awe of you. Like, but it must put so much uh, like immense pressure on you constantly. Do you not feel no. pressure like constantly? You know what? Okay, so unpopular opinion, but I personally, I started telling myself it's not pressure unless I put it on myself. So Mm. 2019, 2018, 2019, Jackie, I would have been like, yes, I'm, I'm crippling and under pressure. Last year, I said, some of y'all can go to hell. 
leave me the hell alone. Let me do my thing. I ain't talking about my my actual supporters. They they no, you're y'all are going to heaven. I'm talking about the people who literally bombard me with like racist stuff, like crazy stuff, and they'll be like, "You need to talk about this. You have a a duty to your." Pa-. I'm just like, I'll go on their page, and these people wouldn't even be following me. So I'm like, so you pick and choose when my voice means something to you? No, like. If you follow me and you support me and you hopped in my DMs and was like, Jackie, this is going on. I really want you to talk about this or, you know, discuss this. Fair enough. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, I like it when it comes from like one of my followers because it genuinely feels like we're having a discourse. But in addition to all the content I create, because of the type of things that I talk about, I would just get a ton of pressure to like insert myself in situations that had literally nothing to do with me, but I would do it because I felt like I was like doing the right thing. And I'm just like, no, no. Mm. Like I just started telling myself, no, absolutely not. And I don't know if it was because of what was going on last year, you know, with the global pandemic. Like, I think I just started reevaluating, like, this is only going to get better or worse. And I choose to have control of how much of that I'm exposed to. So if I don't feel like talking about something or if I don't feel like posting about something or if I don't feel like doing something, I unapologetically will not do it. I didn't even, I I posted that video two days ago and I was like, look guys, I'm gonna be very honest. I took two months off and I'm not even sorry about it. Like I just need two months off. Dope like, I don't why pay. should we have to why should, and, and it's because I'm a woman it's like because we're mm. women we have to be like so sorry for not putting everyone else above me no 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 I come first because when I'm croaked over when I'm having a mental breakdown y'all gonna be thinking about me y'all gonna be paying for my health care no so no I have to I have to put me first because the content the type of content that I create literally cannot exist and cannot thrive unless I'm thriving. And like, I just don't feel bad for like setting emotional boundaries. So is it a lot of pressure? Yes, but it's not to me because I turn that button off. Soon as I'm like on Twitter and I start seeing somebody mention me, oh, phone's off, bye. See y'all in six hours. Y'all be dragging somebody else in six hours. Don't, I don't care. I don't care. It's not my business. La, la, la. I don't want to hear it. Literally, I just be like, because it's enough. Like, it's enough. Like, this has been something that I've been doing for... Tw- you can only deal with this for so long. You know what I mean? It's enough already. Like, I just... There's just certain things that I'm just like, all right, y'all got that. Whatever. Drag me today. You'll be dragging somebody else by 9 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> so, Jackie, you've been obviously doing this for such a long time. Like, how have you kind of seen the industry change over this decade? If at all, to be honest. It's, you know, it's interesting. I feel like influencers are getting younger and younger, right? Like, even Sis. though they've always been young, but I feel like now it's like... It's accessibility. It's a, it's another level. It's another I level. Know. You know what? I'm not, mad, I'm not mad at it, though, because I wish when I was at that age... I, I would not want to have what I have now at 15. Hell no. Nah. I, I don't mm. know how. I, I genuinely don't know. You know, like even shout out to Britney Spears. Like we need to take a page out of what she's going through right now. Like, I don't know what mentally that would do to me being that influential at that young. So I don't know. I don't want that. But I do think that that there is something to be said about like, really like living out your potential and like what you love doing at such a young age. Like, I think that's so cool. And that's so admirable. I wish I had that people telling me like, yeah, you can do great makeup. You should share your gift with people. Like, I wish I had more of that at a younger age. I feel like sometimes you are so honest 
in your with the way you even speak about complexion colorism like makeup products availability um do you feel like being so honest sometimes in the industry has really made you the target because I think sometimes people really want to come for you you know and it's like and I'm quite similar in the sense of I'm similar role but in fashion like I'm always like been calling out you know stop using this word inclusion because it's essentially a marketing buzzword now you know like it's not really inclusive guys you could just throw a black model at the front doesn't really make it inclusive it's not really diverse if like your whole CEO and senior leadership team there's not one black person yet you're gonna employ all your black models you know so okay I feel like do you feel like sometimes you are that uh, made a target or an example because you do speak out and call people out. You're not afraid to call people out. Yeah. And I feel like when people do that, whether they realize it or not, I feel it discredits and hurts other black content creators because I'm not the only one who talk, who has the same conversations that I do. They just don't get talked about because for some odd reason, like even as black people, like we can be guilty of tokenizing our people in our own community And we kind of have to stop because like I've seen people make great content, you know, talking about brands that have fallen short on campaigns and stuff like that. But it's almost like if it doesn't come from me, people won't really, it's not that people won't care, but I've definitely seen people like discredit them because they may not have as many followers or I don't know, like I'll see something already picking up traction and I'll see a ton of black people talking about a specific issue, black content creators, but then someone might be like, okay, now I need to know what Auntie Jaggy thinks. But it's like, the work is already being done, y'all. Like, I don't have, I don't have to add input to everything. And the reason why I think that is because I know the moment, and I've seen this happen so many times. This happened with, um, I don't know if you remember when Sharon Shooter, um, last year around when Black Lives Matter started getting a ton of traction in the summer. And she started the, um, she started the, like, she started asking brands. Pull up or shut up. I think it was pull, pull up, up or change. shut up. Yeah. Pull up yeah, or yeah. change. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Sharon started that initiative. She reached out to a bunch of people and was like, Hey, just make like a video. And like, you know, we're going to call attention to call this them issue. Out. Yes. 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 Exactly. Now. From Uma, Sharon from Uma Beauty, right? Yes. yes. Sharon yeah, yes, Shooter yes, from yes, Uma Beauty, yes, who I love. Yes, and I, yes. I, literally would support anything that she does. But um, I wasn't the only person who I made that video on my Instagram. And I was like, Hey, you know, we're going to call attention to brands, we would like to see, you know, all of y'all are posting black squares, but we need to see more than that. We would like to know how many black employees you have, you know, at the corporate level, like, let's see what time it is. If you really care about Black Lives Matter, let's see if you're really about that life. Let's see. Exactly. I thought it was genius. It was Sharon who came up with that initiative. It was Sharon who told us all of what to say. She had like a rough, not really like a script, but it was kind of like, these are the talking points, whatever you do what you want with it. So I posted it and then I posted it and went on about my day. And then all of a sudden it became Jackie, I'm pull up for change. And it was like, yo, like this is not my initiative. Like this discredits the work that she did. Like, it's like, as soon as I say something, it doesn't matter what else everybody else is saying. I become the center of it. So sometimes I have to literally not say anything because I want people to get the credit that they deserve. And like, so I don't know, to some extent, that's like me trying to trying my hardest to be like self-aware and socially responsible because yeah, I mean, there's people 
they're doing the work. They just don't want to give them credit for it unless it's like a big influencer. And it, and it, it really should not be that way. Yeah, it's been, it is disappointing and it is frustrating because even though you stand by a message, it doesn't then it, it it's even the message is getting lost because it becomes about an individual rather exactly. than the wider scope of the message. That's my point exactly. That's yeah. my point exactly. And then mm-hmm. people will use that as like a oh this you moment. Like didn't you work with the? And it's like what does that have to do with what I just said? What does that have to do with what I just said? Do you believe the message? <laughs> yes you. or and not? Like, yes or no? Like even if. <laughs> Even, you can criticize one aspect of me, but like what yeah. I said is still right. So what time? What, so what do you want to do? Like facts, facts. Tweet about that separately or post about that separately. It absolutely does not and will not discredit any of what I just said. And you can get mad at what I said. You can get mad that it's coming from me, but it's still right coming from someone else. So then what? Then what do we do? Do we just point fingers until like okay? That's what I'm saying. Like it becomes about the individual. So I just sometimes get really tired of that. What are some, or maybe five tips that you would give to, especially like the younger generation that are coming up and really want to immerse themselves into content creating, because you did touch earlier that it is literally, you have a whole team that are helping you and you've been, Mm -hmm. there's still so much that you do um, by yourself. Yeah. It would be great to maybe hear five tips that you would give younger generation who um, are thinking about becoming content creators. I think it's in- incredibly important to be yourself. And I know that sounds corny, but it's true. Like, don't pretend to be a knockoff of somebody else because no one cares. They, If they want to see that person, if, if they want to see Jackie Ina, they're going to go to Jackie Ina. They're coming to you because they want your perspective, your outlook, your personality. So that's the first thing. Two, you have to be willing to work. And a lot of times with nothing in return. And you need to be okay with that because that's just the reality of starting any new venture, let alone digital media. Nothing on digital media is, is, uh, predictable or, you know, at, like at all, it does not matter how good your content is. Like there's no guarantee that you're going to pop off and it's very strange, but that's just social media. For how you. it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Three, I would say don't quit your day job. <laughs> I would say be very, very strategic about how and when you create content so that you can somewhat like make, make it somewhat of like an enjoyable hobby before you start literally forcing and you know, jumping right in and expecting a return in six months. It's not like a typical job where let's say you work as a manager two years and you're almost kind of guaranteed to be promoted. Social media is not like that at all. There's no guarantees at all. So that's the first thing. Um, I would say if you can, if you can try to collaborate, collaborations are fun, but you do have to kind of grow a little bit because The reality is when you collaborate with people, it should be beneficial for both parties. So if you're asking someone to collaborate with you and they're like, well... Sis, I think you need to say that point louder for the people at the back in case they didn't get that one, because that is very, very serious point. But this applies in brands. This also applies to business. I know that it sounds harsh, but social media is not for the the weak. if you are, if your feelings are very easy to hurt, then you don't want to be in social media because one, the comments are going to review part Two, the moment you look up to someone and you want to work with them and they not be, they might not be interested. They have that right. And it may have literally, it may be nothing personal. People are busy. We're still in a pandemic and people, you know, are just really strategic with how they divvy up their time. And I feel like everybody has the right to do that. Like, Nobody owes me nothing. 
you know, would have been great to collaborate with people in my up and coming years, but it didn't happen. So I had to get more creative. (laughs) You know, that was my way of working around it. But um, collaborations are great. They work. But if they don't happen, don't take them personally at all. So I want to go into like you've 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 touched upon it a, a little bit in that like diversifying your businesses because mm-hmm. like you said Instagram TikTok any of those platforms could close tomorrow so I know you kind of started your new lifestyle brand which you co-founded with your fiance I love the candle names I'm obsessed with them particularly coffin season Ooh. left on red you know tell us about your creative co- process tell us about the brand like how it even came about how it is even working with your partner and you know some of kind of like your development and examples of how mm-hmm. things may be different to makeup so before I got into makeup there was fashion and then before I got into fashion I was into fragrance And so this developed because when I was young, I had a condition. I didn't know this had a name back then. I learned this now as an adult. But when I was young, I had a condition called hyperhidrosis. And I got it from my mom. So we're both very, very heavy sweaters. Like we sweat a lot. And so once again, when you're a kid and you're different and you get teased and you made fun of, it was really, really hard because, you know, you're young, you're hormonal. So a lot of your body is still not like, normal. It's not checking itself. And so I would sweat a lot and I would have to wear like really big jackets because I was so shocked. Like I was just so embarrassed of like people smelling it. And I couldn't, it doesn't matter how many showers I took. It didn't matter how much deodorant I wore. Like I could not control the sweat. Um, so one way that I would kind of, I guess, shy or, or, or get out of my comfort zone was through perfume. And it was a way that me and my mom used to bond also because like we couldn't afford designer clothes, designer bags, designer shoes, but we could always afford a luxury fragrance. So I always looked at perfume and fragrance as like one little, it was like, it's just the one thing, no matter how broke we were, like we always had nice perfumes. That's, that was just our way of splurging. So growing up, I, that, that's kind of how my love for smell and, and, and fragrance in general developed. And so I knew it was only a matter of time before I started the candle brand because I've always loved candles. Like I've always loved candles. But the thing about candles, it's so annoying. <sighs> they're either really expensive, and but they're aesthetically pleasing and they look great in your house, but then you don't smell them. Or they're cheap, but then the packaging is terrible, so tacky, sitting in my, my bathroom. And it's like, okay, this doesn't match anything. It's so ugly. I can't even, like I have to move this candle out the way when I'm posting Instagram stories. Like what the heck? So I'm thinking like, I would love to find a, a a way to create something that does both, but I don't want to spend $70 on a freaking candle, like on a small candle. So we started having the conversations to start in the brand in like 2018. And then we paused it just because I got distracted by whatever other, I'm always doing something. But anyway, we, we, we started meeting with like manufacturers and we had samples. This was in 2018, or I think it might've been 2019. I don't remember. Um, and then, we, like I said, we halted it. And then end of 20, end of 20, yeah, it was 2018 when we first started meeting with manufacturers. Then a year later, we were like, okay, let's revisit this again, end of 2019. And then three months later, boom, COVID hit. And we were like, great, <laughs> wonderful, lovely. But then I was talking to my fiance who was helping me start the brand. And um, 
he was like, I think not only should we still move forward with this, but I think we should self-fund it. I don't think we should get any investors. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, no investors, no help. I was like, what? You tripping, boo. But you know what? I was just like, okay. So he gave me like a whole financial breakdown of basically what it would cost at bare minimum to start this brand. And I was like, all right, this is doable. Let me tell you something. <laughs> it was not even close to what we projected. <laughs> because with starting a brand, this is what happens. Starting a brand is so unpredictable and things happen. And then we realize, like, okay, we not only want to start the brand, but we want to have enough inventory, hopefully to hold us over, you know, for a while. So we went in thinking it was only going to cost us 50K. Okay. Bare minimum. Worst case scenario. Really? It looked a little bit more like a quarter of a million. (laughs) (laughs) The maths wasn't adding up. It wasn't adding up, sis. It wasn't adding up. It was just like rolling in and it wasn't like one lump sum. It was just like, okay, now we gotta pay for this. Now I gotta pay for this. Now I gotta pay for this. Now I gotta pay for this. And Jackie likes premium glass quality and Jackie likes soy wax and Jackie wants gold foil and Jackie likes matte. And it was just like, why does everything I like have to be expensive? It's expensive. Not. I did not want inexpensive. I just did not want. I know my candles are not the cheapest. I understand that. But I promise you they could be triple the price if you ever, like anybody who loves candles knows that what we give the girls is quality honey. And for the price, it's a really good price. Soy wax, coconut soy wax. Okay. Amazing. Anybody who knows anything about packaging, the packaging is luxe. Like I just was like, I want a high-end product, not at a high-end price. Let's just go from there. And so that's what we did. And this brand really does center. And I think this speaks to me so much specifically that I wanted a brand that puts Black women taking care of themselves at the forefront because I never see this. We never see this. It's always Black women are going to save the world. No, the hell I'm not. Okay. No. <laughs> no, the hell I'm not. Save yourself. I'm not okay. carrying the world on my shoulders. I'm today. not carrying not the world day. on my shoulders. These wigs no. are already heavy enough as it is. You got Sis. this. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I will be in here with my do, doing my nails, lighting my candles, and running my bath water. You could save your damn self. Like I never. I'm. I'm so tired of black women being like the face of like changing the world. Like, yeah, okay, cool. That's great too, but I don't know. It just was like, this to me is like, do something for you. Do something for yourself. Mm. Like put you first. Because we never hear people talking about that kind of stuff. How did you come up with the name? So the name of my lifestyle brand is Forever Mood. And it is a, our main products are candles, but it's basically a lifestyle brand that I created with my fiance in order to provide products that just make life easier for the everyday woman really it's literally just like lifestyle in a nutshell but like i said our hero products are our candles so the names are really really important to me because this is right now an e-commerce brand so everything is sold online you can't go to a store yet 
and smell the product or try the product or test the product. So when it comes to smell and sense, smells and scents are like one of the only things that directly tie into memory. You can walk into a room. I can walk into like, I can go to like um, a store or a mall or anywhere. And I can smell something be like, oh my God, somebody I've smelled this in Kuwait or I've smelled that in, in Bora Bora. Like I remember that, like that smells very, like sense does that. Like I literally get goosebumps thinking about it. A lot of, a lot of hotels use that. Like I know, like, for example, like my background's nightlife. So a lot of the hotels, for example, would use, so let's say like additional hotel, they would dip teak would make them like a special fragrance. So every single hotel you went in, you could identify the hotel with the smell. So it's a branding thing. And as soon as you said the addition, I smelt it. Like I knew exactly what, cause I, we've stayed at actually a couple of them. But it's it's such a psychological thing. So when I come up with the names, I try to think, when I come up with the names of each candle, I try to think, okay, what is this going to make, what is this going to make someone feel like instead of just describing the, the name or describing the sense or whatever. That, that's stuff that we always put on the box. Like you're going to find that out regardless. But I always try to think about like, okay, what does this candle remind me of? Or what does this make me feel like? And I think that's what kind of, sticks and clicks for people so that's kind of what we've been doing we always try to make them really fun and funny and cute and relatable because that's just what i like i just i like a product with a good catchy name honey like give me a good name and i'll remember it and i've just got some fire questions just to round up at the end you know um what's your favorite collaboration or campaign that you've worked on to date I can't pick just one. I, can't I, I knew it would one. be tough, sis. I knew it would be tough. I knew that this one would be a tough uh, one. You have to pick just one. Uh, okay, I'm going to say Two-Faced because the complexion collaboration was really cool. And that was really unique. At the time, it was like the, a first of its kind. So I'm going to say that. And I love working with Jared. So I'm going to go with that. Proudest moment in your career so far? Working with Naomi Campbell. Hey. <laughs> Shoulder. Um, when do you feel the most comfortable in your own skin? That morning glow, like when the skincare from the night before has like settled in. I love like just first thing in the morning, no makeup, glowy skin, breath stinking, but you know what? I look good. <laughs> How do you surround yourself with the right people who encourage you and lift you up? Oh, this is essential. I try especially right now with COVID, I feel like COVID has been wreaking havoc on a lot of our friendships, but I try to just make sure I have like non-industry friends and that I try to be a good friend to them so that they don't ever, you know, they can all, they always know they can rely on me too. I think it's extremely important to have non-industry friends. Like I cannot stress them. Normal people who are not in this industry, non-jaded and yeah, they got my back. And what activities make you feel the best about yourself? I feel like this is going to sound corny, but I love to clean. I love to organize. I'm just like such a freaking weirdo. Like put me in my room that needs sprucing up. Like I'm going to go tackle this closet actually as soon as I end this podcast. And I love, like, I just feel so fulfilled and I feel so like, wow, my life is together. I've cleaned this room. You know, I love organizing and cleaning. So what's next for you, Jay? What are you allowed to tell us? What are you allowed to give us one small, small inside scoop? What's next for you? Well, I'm not allowed to say too much, but I'll definitely say more 
products that are in the lifestyle category that everybody that already loves Forever Mood will love even more. Oh, I love that. Sis, thank you so much. Thank we you. We appreciate you. We give you your accolades. And I want to <laughs> thank you because every time I watch you, every time you start your video with your Jackie, 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 Jackie. I'm like, yeah. I literally, I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I see so much of myself in you because you just keep it 100 at all the time by any means necessary. And sometimes, yes, it does it does make you a target, but also you're not afraid to stand up for what you believe in. And sometimes it does take a couple of those leaders to be able to speak their mind and kick open those doors and for everyone else to come through and fuck it up, you know? And we appreciate you. We salute you. We see you. We lift you up. And honestly, I wish you all the success in your business. Give my love to Hobby because I know he's got your back there we see him there ozzling <laughs> in the warehouse he's really there ozzling so we're gonna give him his accolades too but we appreciate you sis keep shining for us and i can't wait to see what you got coming next thank you so much thank you for having me i really appreciate it it was so fun chatting with you guys jackie 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 jackie, jackie, jackie. <laughs> until the next time guys we out see you later bye thank you so much for listening to this episode if you enjoy the podcast, please spread the word. Rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff. For any questions, please also feel free to send me a signal on Instagram or Twitter on the handles at IreneTTYA or at TTYA Talks.